0: Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Much of the New Testament is made up of letters written by Paul to the churches he planted. These letters were not written to strangers, but to friends, and each of these letters includes a very personal prayer. God would prompt Paul to pray by bringing specific people to his mind. Paul prayed intentional and powerful prayers for those he loved. Following his lead, these are prayers we should echo for one another. When God brings people to our minds, he is giving us the opportunity to pray on their behalf. Join us for a series where we learn to pray unceasingly with others in mind.
1: We are so blessed, uh, and Chris pointed this out last week, uh, to have a group of people who, uh, they're not up here to perform and entertain you. They're up here to usher you into the presence of God. Amen? Come on. I like it. I like some energy. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover, so let's dive in, okay? Okay. Um, so we've been talking about how to become people that are better at prayer. That God has given us this beautiful gift of communication with Him. That our God has not demanded that we speak to him, but he has invited us to live in constant conversation with him. I think that's cool. That we get to like hang out with the God of the universe anytime we want. That we get to live constantly in his presence. That you don't ever have to invite him into anything because he's already there. You cannot escape him. You cannot rid yourself of him. He has been with you from the onset and he will always be with you. And He's just waiting for you to turn towards him and talk. And from time to time, listen. But for me, I'm not good at it. I've never been really good at this prayer thing. I'm good at strategic plans. I told y'all that last week. I'm a planner. Anybody else fill me in here? Like I'm a planner. Y'all a bunch of liars. Y'all more like three people like, I plan not to raise my hand at church today, okay? I mean, that's. Like, I'm a planner, and, like, that's how I deal with with, with everything in my life. But God has been really pushing me to not be so much about strategic plans, but be more about intentional prayer. Like, to be more intentionally seeking to him and talking to him and praying to him. Because if I'm honest, throughout my entire life, the intensity of my prayer has been connected to the severity of my problems. Like, when my problems are severe, my prayers are intense. And, like, I want it not to be that way. Like, I want to get to a place in my life where I can pray without ceasing instead of only when in crisis. And to do that, God's been saying, well, Matt, maybe if you saw prayer as something more than just about you. And realized that, like, one of the most beautiful things you can do is pray for other people. And if we're going to become people who really intentionally pray, we have to become people who pray for other people. And just as I've been studying this subject, I'm just reminded that, like, like we are all the byproduct of, of someone's intentional prayers, right? I'm um, like, all of us had a praying somebody. That that's the reason why, like, you're still alive. Like, you didn't die because you thought you could jump a motorcycle off a rooftop. Like, you didn't die even though you got in that car knowing that you shouldn't have gotten in that car. Come on. Oh, y'all perfect now. I never did that. Yeah, right. Like, we all have had these moments, man, that we're, we're living because of the intercessory prayer of another person. That we had a praying mom, a praying grandma, a praying friend, a praying uncle, a praying pastor, somebody whose prayers have helped shape our lives. And this concept of intercession is woven all throughout Scripture. And I know you hear that word, and, and maybe you didn't grow up in church, and you, you're like, intersection? We don't have those in random, and we have roundabouts. We don't have intersections. That's just the way we roll. Um... But this whole concept of intercession, which simply means the action of intervening on behalf of another. That we're called to be intercessors, to pray on behalf of other people. And we see this concept, this, this, this direction from God all throughout his word. Like in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. With all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Like, pray without ceasing. And, like, we're getting to this place where we're like, let's, let's find a way to be that kind of people. Like, how much would our church be different? How much would our community, how much would our world be different if we were praying for other people without ceasing? And, and, and we said to do this, we got to do it just, not just when we, when we get the ask. I have to be really careful about saying that very clearly. When we don't get the ask... Like, like some of us, like that's when we'll pray, maybe. If you happen to ask me in a moment when I happen to remember, but we've all been asked. We said, yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. No, I won't because I'll forget. And we've all been in that spot. It's not like we intentionally forget. It's just life happens, right? And we get consumed with other things. And, and with well intentions, we said, I will pray. But then that person is no longer in front of us and no longer asking that of us and out of sight, out of mind. But what if we said, okay, if we're going to be the intercessors, we're going to be people who pray for other people, then it's not going to just come from the ask. It's going to come from our desire to pay attention to people. That we're going to start watching people in a way that God would get through God's eyes and realizing that every conversation people are dropping clues into your spirit that equip you to pray for them. I believe deeply in this. Every conversation that you have, somebody reveals either a hope or a hurt that you can pray for. Somebody, in in, in just in in, in random conversations, if we're intentional with it, people will reveal a hope or a hurt that you can pray for. They're going to reveal a hope, something they, they, they desire to see happen in their own lives, or the lives of somebody that they care about, or a dream they have, or a goal they have in their heart. You with me? Say amen. And in a lot of conversations, people are going to reveal their hurts, the things that... They're struggling with the things that are frustrating them. And God is wanting to leverage those conversations. They're not going to say, hey, will you pray for me about this? But if you're paying attention as you're talking to people, what if that happened? We actually listen when people talk. Instead of thinking about what we're going to say when they finally shut up. Sometimes I'm too honest up here, Tony. It's going to get worse. Um, But be intercessors. Intercessors. And to do that, we've been looking at a guy named Paul in Scripture who wrote a good portion of what we have in the New Testament of our Bibles. Paul was this guy, I'll just remind you, like he he was against Jesus and the whole thing that Jesus started until he finally met Jesus. And you can't have an authentic encounter with Jesus and walk away the way you showed up. You just can't. And he has this encounter and it changes his life and he becomes like this church planter where he goes to these different cities and he starts these movements, tells people about the gospel that, that you know what, your sins ain't going to have to be counted against you because God has sent the Messiah. He's died on the cross, shed his blood, so he could blot out your transgressions, and you can have a relationship with God. It doesn't matter if you're Greek or Jew or whatever. Like, anyone who will call on his name can have life. Oh, the gospel don't get y'all excited no more? Okay. All right. And then he later would write these letters to these churches. And in those letters, in every one, he says to so those people, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And Paul's trying to leave us an example. That we need to let people know that we're praying and we need to let people know what we're praying for them. And the cool thing about that's better for us than Paul is Paul would, have, would write these letters and have to wait months maybe for these letters to get to their destinations. That's what, We have technology where at any moment you can immediately, through a text message or a phone call or an email, you can imme- I know technology can be the devil. But we can also leverage it for good things too, amen? Yeah, we can. We can text people and say, I'm praying for you and this is what I'm praying. And, and, and all throughout scripture we see this happen. Like in Philippians chapter 1, go there with me. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 3. Paul's writing this letter to his friends in the city called Philippi. And just like the other letters we've written, he's pausing to say, hey, I'm praying for you. And not just that I'm praying for you, there's like some specific things that God has put on my heart to pray for you. And look at this beautiful prayer that Paul prays, starting with verse 3, Philippians chapter 1. says, I thank my God every time I remember you. and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus And this is my prayer, that your people may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Like when you really dive in that, do you see the beauty in that prayer? I says, man, like like every time, when I think about y'all, I have such joy in my heart. Because I know that like, what God is doing in and through you is awesome. And even though there are speed bumps, don't give up because God's going to carry it to completion. That, like, I know that, that following Jesus and walking with him and doing what God's called you to do, it's not always easy. But you know what? You just need to make sure, make sure you're reminded that God is who he says he is at all times. Amen. And every time you come to my mind, like I feel this joy, this affection for you. And I pray this, I pray that you would abound more and more, that you would fall deeper in love with God and deeper in love with one another so God can continue to do what God's doing in your life. Like, that's how I want to pray for people. Because it's really easy to get, dear Lord, be with Johnny, amen. (laughs) And like, that's the end of it, right? Like, that's not the kind of intentional intercessory prayer I'm talking about. Paul didn't say, hey, I'm praying for y'all, good luck. He says no, like like I'm, I'm I'm really crying out to God, and these are the specific words. And you know, I've been pr- like, God, how do how do I how do I pray like that? Where well, my prayers aren't these little shallow toss ups to God, but they're really deep and powerful. And I think there are two things that are necessary for that: perspective and promptings. That that kind of intercessory prayer comes from number one, a perspective, like you're able to see people. You're able to actually see people. Not as, as objects, but as people who are loved by God. And you're actually able to pay attention. How often do we just don't see people? You've been there. You ever feel like people just don't see you? Like you're hurting and you're struggling. You're going through these things and people are just going about their lives. Like everything's just great. And you're thinking like I'm hurting over here. And it'd be awesome if you would notice. And it also comes from promptings from the Holy Spirit. Like, until you can find a way to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you'll never really be the kind of prayer warrior that the people in your life need you to be. You ever had a prompting from the Holy Spirit? You're like, what's that? Like, like a moment when God, like, you like, all right, God, this is either really bad heartburn or you're trying to tell me something. I don't know which, but I might to figure it out. Like, like, promptings from the Holy Spirit. Like, if, like if you ever woken up in the middle of the night with somebody on your mind, that's God. And you think, like, i got to get up early. I'm going back to bed. No, get up and pray. When God prompts your heart, when, and that's how he does it, you just, you just randomly, somebody will come to your mind, and you think it's random. Oh, they, Joey just popped, popped into my mind. I wonder how he's doing. Can I just submit to you that I think that's God saying, Joey needs your prayers. And maybe if you would just stop for three seconds and realize that you're not the only person on this planet who needs me, and talk to me about him instead of talking to me about you all the time, something could really change in Joey's life, and maybe yours too. But all we can think about is, I'm inconvenienced because I'm, a, I'm awake at 3 o'clock in the morning. i got to get up at 4.30, and i got stuff to do. Promptings. Paul had a perspective in promptings. But here is what I notice most about this. It's not really what he prays, but from where he prays it. Because Paul prays that beautiful prayer from prison. Like when I read that, like Paul's saying, oh, when I think about y'all, I have so much joy. I have so much affection in my heart. I'm just praising God for what he's doing in your life. You think Paul's sipping a fruity drink on a beach somewhere. But Paul is praying that prayer from prison. To me, that's what's impressive. Because in prison, perspective can get lost and promptings can easily be ignored. You know, Paul is Paul's praying, he's celebrating that they're doing stuff that if he's honest, he wished he was doing himself. Can you pray that prayer? Can you pray, can you pray a prayer for somebody who has an opportunity to do something that you can't and maybe never will? Ooh. Like Paul would much rather be, instead of sitting in the prison, out there on the streets with them sharing the gospel. And here he's in a position where he can't do what he wants to do, but somebody else can, and he has the wherewithal and the selflessness to pray and celebrate what they're doing. That's the kind of prayer people I want to be. From prison, he's able to offer this prayer. I'm telling you, when I'm in prison, if I'm in prison, I ain't praying like that. You know what I'm praying? Get me out of prison. Like, I'm talking to God, all right, but it ain't about them. It's about me. I'm not praying for you. I'm in prison. I ain't praying for y'all. I'm praying, God, get me out. (laughs) Especially when I don't think I deserve to be there. I didn't do something that I was supposed to do to get there. Because, you know, like, every time Paul would hear the rattle of the keys echoing down the hallways of that jail, he had to think, this is it. This is the day they're coming for me. This will be my last day on earth. They're coming to cut my head off. If I'm in that position, I'm thinking, God, I love you, but you gotta get me the heck out of here. I will pray for them when I'm out. But for now, Jesus help me. And now there's some people think in the room, like, that's great, Matt, but like I can't relate because I'll never be in jail, or at least I'm not planning to go back. <laughs> Welcome to Benish Church. And many of us will never find ourselves in the type of prison that Paul is in, but many of us instead are living in a prison built by our painful experiences. See, some of us, we're not in that kind of prison, but we're in a different and maybe even more dangerous one. Because life's hard. And along this journey we're going to go through really painful things. And what we end up finding is as we walk through these painful things so often, experience by experience, painful thing by painful thing, we begin to maybe not even realizing it, build a wall. We get hurt. People do things. We go through experiences that are frustrating, that are difficult, that are things that we never thought we would have to go through. And little by little, moment by moment, over life and its journey, what we begin to do is construct a prison, one painful experience at a time. Because that's just the way life is. And what we end up doing is spending most of our lives staring at the walls of our own prison. Because the re- and the reality is, it's not, it's not because we're worried about what's going to happen to us. We feel like we're safer in here. That we, we build this wall to shut people out because, because we feel like, you know what, I've had, I've had so many bad experiences. I've gone through so much. People have hurt me my whole life. Nobody's ever paid attention to me my whole life. I've made so many mistakes my whole life that, you know what, it's probably just better for me to stay in here anyway. Because if I'm in the prison, they can't get to me. I'm actually safer in here than out here. And so to keep from another one of these things happening in my life, I'm just going to spend my entire life in a prison. And what it's doing is it's killing you. It's becoming an obstacle to you having anything healthy in your life. It's ruining relationships. It's destroying your career. It's messing you up financially. Like It's, 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 it's hurting you more than you know, but you've convinced yourself that no, 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 here is where I'm safe. In the prison is where I'm safe. And even in here, you, start, you, you talk to God and, 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 you, and you ask for help. And then, but here's what you're going to notice. When you start talking to God in the prison, he's probably going to prompt your heart to pray for the people who put you in there. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross? Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus found himself in the most painful of prisons ever, on a cross going to his death. And from the prison, he prays. And he prays for the people that put him there. He's only practicing what he preached in Matthew 5, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Amen. But so many of us spend our entire lives here. There's people in this room You've been in the prison of your painful experience for decades. And you're saying, preacher, ain't nothing you can say to get me out. I'm going to stay here because you don't know my situation. You don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. Like, I I know this is the safest place for me because as long as I've built this wall and I've, I've created this structure that keeps people at a distance, they can't hurt me anymore. Maybe you're reducing the risk of them hurting you, but you're killing any opportunity for you to help them. Because there's no way you can pray for in here, Because when you focus on the walls of your prison, people can never be the object of your prayers. Woo! When you focus on the walls of your prison, people can never be the object of your prayers. And as long as you allow the painful experiences of the past to imprison you, you'll never be the intercessor that God's calling you to be. It's impossible. I'm preaching better and y'all responding. Come on with me. See, Paul found a way, even though he wasn't going to be able to break out of his prison, he found a way to pray from the prison. Look at it. He's praying this prayer from prison. And it's because he has a perspective on it that most of us struggle to have. Look at verse 12. Philippians chapter 1. Pick up with verse 12. So now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result... It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for... I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Do you hear what he's saying? He says, Hey, I'm in prison, but guess what? I am not imprisoned. Like, I am in prison, but I am not imprisoned. Like, they can physically put me in this jail, but they cannot imprison my spirit. They cannot imprison my faith. They cannot stomp on what I know Jesus is capable of doing. So I'm in here, and guess what? While I'm in here, I'm telling people about Jesus. That, yeah, I can focus on the walls of my prison, or I can leverage my prison to meet the needs of my purpose. Because, see... When you find purpose in the pain, it ceases to be a prison. That's good. Woo! When you find purpose in the pain, it ceases to be a prison. And Paul said, "I'm in prison, but I'm not." I'm in jail, but I ain't in prison. My purpose is not in prison, even though I'm in prison. I'm leveraged every moment. And you know what's happening? People getting saved, even the guards. And I may die today, I may die tomorrow, but I ain't going down without a fight. I'm continuing to fight for the calling that God has put in my life. And God is doing something special. And see, Paul's situation in ours is a little bit different. See, your painful experiences, they don't have to be a prison. And when you find purpose in them, they will cease to be a prison. But that means you and I are going to have to do some things that aren't easy. See, they will remain a prison if you continue to focus on them and not let anybody else see what they are. See, the first step to you being set free is you've got to be honest enough to let people in. At some point... You're going to have to start staring at them all by yourselves and let other people see. At some point, other people are going to need to know these painful experiences. Because if you hold them in, if you keep them in yourself, if you refuse to acknowledge that they're there, and if you f- refuse to allow yourself to be vulnerable enough and transparent enough to let them see your mess, it will remain your prison. That's right. Amen. But that's hard to do, isn't it? Because we don't like to talk about this stuff. Because we're supposed to be perfect. And until you have the courage to say, you know what? These things happen to me, and yeah, they're real, and yeah, they're frustrating, and yeah, they hurt. But I'm not going to hold them to myself, and I'm not going to stare at them any longer. I'm going to have the courage to step out from behind the mask, the wall, the prison, however you want to call it. And let people see my wounds because they need me to help them fix theirs. And I need them to help me fix mine. Amen. You can't fix it from in here. You can't fix it in here by yourself trying to, trying to come up with a plan. You need the prayer of other people. And the other people need the prayer that you need to offer up. And that ain't happening until you have the courage to let it out. See, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a hold on you when you let it out. See, then you can have a hold of it. And now there's going to be some moron that says, oh, just, just let it go. You can't. It's a part of you. For, forgive the church or some well-intended priest that, oh, just let it go. Get over it. <laughs> this stuff you don't get over. It leaves scars. The wound heals, but the scar might still be there. And you know what? That's okay. It's who I am. It's a part of my story. Oh, it's a part of yours too? Maybe we can help each other. Oh, you got more? Yeah, I got more too, though. (laughs) I I thought I'd show you this one first and not this one yet just because I didn't want you to run. (laughs) And you know what you're going to find? Yeah, me too. Now I don't know what to do because I'm kind of stuck holding these. These two are very intentionally picked out because I've seen these two ravage people's lives in our church for far too long. There's some people right now in our church, you're on the brink of this, and yet you are still refusing to show up at the marriage conference this weekend because you're afraid of what somebody might ask, or you're afraid it might reveal the actual destruction that's living in your marriage. But I would say to you, maybe, just maybe, this is your one last shot to save it. There's some people in the room, you know what? You're so ashamed of this, not realizing there are people all around you that struggle with it too. And you need to get over it and start showing up here on Tuesday nights to our Vintage Recovery and let other people help you and you have the courage to help other people. Because, you know, here's the beauty of it. You know who can help people holding this? Somebody that's been holding this. That painful experience that painful divorce you went through 10 years ago that you thought you were going were to kill you that you don't want to talk about, you need to. Because somebody needs to know how you made it through it without killing yourself or something else. Like the only way that I can pray for you is for you to show me your scars. And the only way you can pray for me is for me to show you mine. And there's beauty in that. And that's what's at the heart. See, Your pain gives you perspective that better equips you to pray. I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to pray for somebody struggling with this very well. I mean, I I can pray for them. But you know who knows how to pray for somebody who struggled with addiction? Somebody who struggled with addiction. You know how to pray? Nobody can pray for somebody who's gone through this than somebody who's gone through this. And that's exactly at the heart of what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Notice that, who comforts us not from all of our troubles, in all our troubles. So that, and here's why, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received. Like, we get this comfort so that we can be a comfort. Like, that's how this whole intercessory prayer thing works, is we have the courage to stop staring at the walls of our prison so that people can be the object of our prayers. And to do that, we have to not allow this to be in a prison anymore. And to not, for it not to be a prison, we got to expose it. we got to show it. we got to be honest with each other and with ourselves and say, here's my junk. Pray for it. Because otherwise the wall will remain and things will be difficult and you will never be able to pray or be prayed for in a way that really makes a difference in your life here's mine this is one of mine that I still carry around with me to this day when Ashley and I decided we were going to have kids we just thought it was easy. You just do what you do, and nine months later, here comes the baby. <laughs> like, that's just, it's just that simple. You just decide one day. Here we go, and it's going to be fun. Here we go. And I remember when we made that decision, man, we, we got pregnant pretty quickly. I mean, and, and, and when we got pregnant, we, it was like the baby was already here. I think we found out that we were pregnant on like a Monday, and that Friday, I bought a crib. It's just kind of how I roll, man, and the next week was our first doctor's appointment, and I remember going in, and they brought that little machine out that's supposed to pick up the Doppler heartbeat, and I just can't, I was like, yeah, as a dad, you walk in, the first time you hear that heartbeat, like, you're just excited for that, and I remember going in, and the nurse looking at Ashley's belly, and doing all this time, and I'm, I kept thinking, should it take this long, and the nurse didn't say anything, and she said, the doctor's going to be in in a minute to talk to you guys, and Felt like an eternity went by and in walks this doctor and says, uh, by now we should probably be getting a Doppler heartbeat, but we can't. But, so we're not sure what's kind of going on, what's happening here. So we want to run some tests and do some things. And over the next week or so, they did that. And I'll never forget when the doctor walked in and said, yeah, we believe that you've miscarried. We can't find a heartbeat and you've lost this baby. And that was devastating. And you start to realize that there's a lot of people carrying this box around. So I said, wait a few months and let your body recoup, let your body heal, and then you guys can try again. So we did that. And once again, boom, pregnant. And this time, you know, we're trying not to get our hopes up too much, but that's, that's just not how I am. Like, I, I just get my hopes up. And I remember going, once again, we were supposed to be, uh, anyway, we, we went to the doctor. And they do a Doppler and all that kind of stuff. And once again, I'm thinking something is not right. And the same kind of routine happens. And then over several weeks, like we were, we were supposed to be going to the beach that day. We were leaving for vacation. And they say, hey, when you get back from vacation, we'll run some tests. I'm like, you want me to go on vacation for a week not knowing what's going on with my baby? You're talking about the worst vacation ever. Because the whole time you're just thinking in the back of your mind, what's happening? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on? What's, going on? what's happening? What's going on? What's And we get back and they run all these tests once again and it just feels so very familiar until they finally say, yeah, once again, we believe that you've miscarried. And I remember standing in my kitchen, holding my wife, both of us. First time, I was sad. This time, I was angry. And I remember that night, I went out to do something and I came back in and I pulled into my driveway and my mom called me. And we sat, as I sat in the car, talking to her for a while, and she was just, her and my dad both, just speaking life and truth into me. And they were able to pray for me and speak into my life like never before because if you recall, I was adopted. I wasn't adopted for no reason. My parents had gone through several miscarriages, the last one of which my mom had fallen down the stairs and lost that baby. You comfort those with the comfort you have been given. But the worst part of it is, at that time, there was a young lady in our church who wasn't married and She was pregnant. Didn't have a relationship with the guy. Had come to our church shortly after getting pregnant. And I remember every time I'd see her, I would get angry. And I would ask God, God, why does she get a baby and I don't? I would see her and I'd walk the other way. Because my pain had become my prison. here was a girl who needed her pastors. She needed her church. She needed people. She was scared to death. She's having a child, and she needs help, and she needs support, and she needs people praying for her. And I couldn't even talk to her. Because in that moment, my pain was my prison. And when you're staring at the walls of your prison people cannot be the object of your prayers as I've looked back on that I've had to remind myself of the need to repent and ask God to forgive me for my spirit in that season and to never allow my painful experiences to imprison me because it will do nothing but hurt me and keep me from helping others I don't know which one of these is yours I don't know if any of them are Or maybe there's one, and this is you. And if you could put your word on it, that would be it. Or maybe your word isn't up here written, but you know it. And can I just say, maybe it's been a prison for too long. And it's time to let the God who heals and restores and redeems allow you to break free. You bow your heads, close your eyes with me. We're going to have a team of people that's going to get up out of their seats right now and they're going to go around the perimeter of this room. And maybe you need to step out of your prison and maybe the way to do that is to come and just let one of these people have a glimpse into your pain you need to walk up to one of these people and say, hey, this is what I went through and it's still a prison. This is what I went through and it it was so painful that it's imprisoned me for decades and I'm ready to break free. I'm ready to step out. I'm ready to not allow this to keep me from being who God has called me to be any longer. I don't know how you need to pray or what you need to pray for, but I'm gonna invite you. There's people all around this room that are ready for you to pray with them. They wanna pray for you. And this altar is open, come and kneel and just ask God for some healing and some restoration. God, would you speak in this moment, Lord? Would you move in this place? Would you help us to not allow the painful experiences of our past become our prison anymore? Help us to have the courage to be vulnerable and transparent and expose those things to the right people. God, help us stop buying the fact that we're insulated and we're safe behind the wall. But God, the wall is only limiting us and keeping us back from experiencing all the help that we need and the helper that we could be. God, move in this time. Just in a spirit of prayer, I invite you, man, don't let your pride or whatever stand in the way come, pray with somebody, or pray by yourself, or just spend some time over the next few minutes talking to God.
0: Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, Download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.